Yeah, yeah. I thought you were saying. I was like, I can't hear anything. I thought the music would have started all right, by now. All right. Shut the fuck. Shut the fuck up. Okay, and I won't talk. Welcome, our new gentlemen, overlords. Now that's a team I can work with. I love it. I love bringing people together. How we doing? Hey, everybody! Welcome to the Gentlemen Overlords. I'm Andrew. I'm Max. I'm Robert, and we are not restarting the pod, <laughs> baby. Uh, yo, guys, it's Christmas week. Ho, oh, hey, ho. Merry Christmas week! Yeah, I'm really feeling it. Yeah, you're. I'm in the holiday spirit, Max. You're wearing a very festive hoodie. I That's, think this is okay. This is amazing. This is a poncho slash sleeping bag. What? Yeah, which it's, is it right now? <laughs> it's both. It's Wait, both yeah, at the same time. What, so it's like a it's a poncho made out of sleeping sleeping bag material. It's also reversible. Mm-hmm. Hey, why didn't they make the whole plane out of sleeping bag material? Oh God! <laughs> What's on the? What is the pattern on that poncho? Uh, I don't know. You're looking at it. It's got some uh, floral designs, but geometric. I That's kind of cool. It looks like a like a quilt or something. I, I dig it. Yeah, I dig it as well. Uh, it's from a company called Polar, spelled P-O-L-E-R. You can they also make the seltzer, it. yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay, and they're <laughs> and they're now a sponsor too, right? Uh, you would hope so. <laughs> Use code Overlords for fifteen percent off. Yeah, yeah, and Polar. If you do hear this, we'll we'll continue to do this if you start paying us, and we're gonna start talking shit about you if you don't. That's right. So, Ooh, we yeah, will, like yeah we're gonna burn that burn that poncho like an effigy on uh, live. Yeah. yeah, our New Year's episode. If if we don't have your compliance by then, that thing's going up. It's in a ticking flames. clock. Yeah, like man, I I can't believe I used to like this thing. It's, it's <laughs> bullshit. Ugh. All right, fell apart so quickly. Uh, let's talk about some booze you see. I, I was talking about the podcast when I said it fell apart so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talk about it. Don't you forget about me. Look my way, girl. Something <laughs> breakfast. Movies we've seen. Oh, I can't wait for <laughs> I cannot wait for our iHeartRadio podcast award for this episode. We are getting nominated, baby. Hell yeah. Uh Rob, you saw some movies. Um rewatched uh Krampus, which I've talked about on the pod before. Mm-hmm. I don't need to really go into detail, but I think it's a good splits the difference between uh horror and comedy and uh lots of great effects. Like very some nice, really nice practical effects. Family getting kind of attacked by Krampus and his minions because the youngest kid in the family sort of loses his uh, belief in Santa Claus and sort of wishes that Krampus would fuck them all up, and he does. And uh, it's good, good stuff. I uh, I really enjoy watching it this time of year. Um, I still have not watched that one, and I don't know if I would like it, but I'm kind of interested. I think you should give it a shot. I think yeah, you I might like should. it. It's it's silly. Yeah, but, it's it's and it's like I don't know if it's like a perfect balance because like it's trying to make you be like, oh no, like number one, like it's sort of like Christmas Vacation and like the way that this part of their family shows up that it's like annoying as fuck and like and being really rude. Um, who plays, um, who plays, uh, Keckner's wife in that? Oh gosh. I don't, 
remember her name, but she's in like a like a like a mystery, like a murder kind of mystery show right now, like Women Who Murder or something like that. Uh huh. Um, but she's really great. I've seen her in a couple things, and she's like she's a super great actress. Um, and, um, Adam Scott is the dad, and is married, and his wife is Tony Collette in that movie. So like some really great character actors and things going on. Um, yeah, you should you should give it a shot. I don't think it's like a perfect film, but it's uh, I think it's it's doing some some good stuff with different genres there. Um, and I don't know if we, I mean, they're long enough to be considered movies. So I guess I would consider this part of my movie portion. I've been watching um, the Beatles get back on mm. um, Disney plus, which is uh, sort of the documentary that was being made at the time. And I don't know, I like the Beatles, but I don't know so much about them that I'm aware whether any of this footage was out there previous to this. I've definitely seen photos from these sessions because I'm like, oh, I recognize these outfits and things. Like, I've definitely seen pictures of them recording the Let It Be album. But the at the time, it seemed to be that they wanted to like simultaneously like have them do perform live after like the three years they hadn't been playing together or performing live since then, and then also release a movie that was like a documentary of them making the new album. So I don't know if any of this, I don't know how much of this is like new to the world, like for everyone finally seeing it, how much this footage had been like sitting on a shelf. Um, but Peter Jackson made it and um, it's great. The barrel chase scene where the Beatles <laughs> get to the studio and <laughs> are flying around is incredible. Um, uh, bomber, no, really... The fifth Beatle bomber shows up. and <laughs> I mean, they, they could have just gone right there if they had hopped on those Eagles right away. Mm, yeah. Flown right to it. But we're Beatles. We can't ride the Eagles. They'll eat us, <laughs> is what they said. Um, it's really cool, though, because you... I'm sure, like, everyone's favorite band, it's like you'd be surprised in different ways of how they, they come to, you know record some of their most famous songs and stuff. And it's just wild to see them sitting around and noodling and like getting closer and closer to like the version you've heard a million times on the radio. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And like, and like goofing around, like, I mean, I'm sure some people would find it annoying, but like John Lennon is like, so like, he he's so much like joking around a lot, but like, I think the band is like all used to it. And like, he's still like playing the song, but like, he'll be like adding weird words and sometimes they're like not singing words. They haven't gotten them yet. So they're just like, when do I find myself in times of trouble? And it's like, don't know where they're going with it yet. But that's the other weird thing is like, there's a part where like Paul McCartney is like doing let it be. And it's like so fast and weird and he's doing it on purpose. Like, I think he was just trying, trying it out another way. Mm -hmm. But when you, you know how like kind of pretty that sound, that song sounds at the end and him. Yeah. Like, Mother Mary comes to me. He's just like doing like a crazy fast version and stuff. It's very, it's very strange. Hey Ringo, um, what you doing over there? Oh, I'm thinking of a song about a raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other wild thing I didn't know, and I, I don't, again, I don't know how known all this stuff is, is I didn't we realize that like one of the Beatles like walks off in the middle of making this album and it's like, well, I'm kind of done with this. And like, they have to like go and get him back basically Whoa. And just like get him knowing, back, yeah. Take one of those words like, out. We and... should write a song about this. <laughs> get him back. They're, Wait, they're, yeah, they're outside. What's the uh, what's what? A, oh, that's Walk Hard, where he like starts writing songs when he's like walking out on his wife. She's like, yeah. "Don't you dare write a song about this." <laughs> so that's what they're doing outside of Ringo's house. Get back to the studio. Hmm, get oh. back to where you once belong. Okay. <laughs> um, 
I'm doing stellar Beatles yeah, accents, yeah, yeah. by the way. Um, oh, that, I'm doing all accents. and none of yeah, them these are simultaneously. All, yeah, these are all sound drops from the show that we're playing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, thank you yeah. for dropping these in so expertly. You're welcome. Um, so yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to say too much, which is a weird thing to say about like in 1969. I don't want to say this thing that you know maybe everyone knows, but uh-huh. it, it there's some good drama to it. The other thing too is um, the uh, people making the documentary at one point, uh, uh, John Lennon and Paul McCartney, like Lennon shows up and McCartney's like, I need to talk to you like privately because like we're having problems with the band. And they go to like a cafeteria to talk instead of like the studio they were like filming in and had cameras and stuff. The crew had hidden a microphone in a vase. So that conversation is recorded. And that, that feels like something that like maybe feels, hasn't been out before. Yeah. I think, I think that's probably BS. It was probably re-recorded by our own Robert Persinger. Yeah. There you, yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, there is a part during that conversation when he's like, he's like, Paul, can you say it closer to the vase? Sure. I'll take that again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, can you say that to me? John Lennon, please. <laughs> Let's go talk over here in the octopus's garden and don't tell Ringo about this. <laughs> um, it's really good. I would recommend it. It's long as fuck, but um, I like the Beatles and um, it's just been interesting to to see kind of the their process and how uh, much or little they're actually bringing in with them every day. It's It's wild to think like, you know, little decisions and changes could have affected the albums and their trajectory after that. Sure. Um, when are are those assholes going to put out another album? That's real. Come on guys. Clock's ticking. Yeah. Um, that's basically my, my movies I have seen. Max, did you watch anything? Well, I watched a Christmas movie, but I'm not sure. Are we talking about that at some point? I don't know if we will. I feel like the time may pass. Before All right, then I uh, watched Eight Bit Christmas. Wow. With, yes, with Neil Patrick Harris and some other folks. David Cross was in it for a bit. Steve Zahn, a uh, uh, fan of him from uh, White Lotus. But I was surprised at how funny it was, how much I enjoyed it. I was expecting to not really be into it, have it be pretty corny. Yeah, it looked which, a little cheesy, but I was still yeah. kind of interested. But and it that's certainly encouraging. Was cheesy at certain points and uh they for somewhat do my pet peeve of like not really uh portraying video game but they're also trying to like expand it so who i give it a pass it was fun it was a fun little romp fun christmas movie um good set of actors the kids and the adults and um yeah i just ended up laughing quite a bit through it and i Hmm. didn't really expect to i thought it was going to be like just a little too dumb but it was Hmm. fun it's it's not like it's going to blow you away or anything but it was a fun one cool how about you andrew uh i watched rookie of the year the uh like 1993 uh baseball movie about the kid who like fucks up his arm really bad and then suddenly can pitch like a major leaguer i love i love when arms grow back with like springs inside of them well, yeah, it even makes like when he pitches, it makes like this like elastic noise whenever he like throws his arm back. So it's always like a very I I laugh at that effect. But um, yeah, it's the one of the guys from American Pie as a kid. Uh, Gary Busey, Daniel Stern directed the movie and is also in the movie. He plays just a, a wild character. He's like the pitching coach, but he's one of those characters that just seems like could not exist in real life. He's just such a bumbling mm-hmm. buffoon. 
but he's great in it. Um, I had not seen the movie in a, in a while, and I forgot how endearing the relationship between the main character and his mother is in the movie. It's very sweet. You know, like, she, throughout his life, is, like, telling her her son's stories about his dad and how he was this, like, great pitcher, and, you know, like, that's where he gets his love for baseball, and as it turns out, spoiler for this movie that's been out for, like, 30 years, um, that she, it's actually her, is she's been telling him these stories about her the, the entire time, but masking it under it was your dad. And so mm. when he needs inspiration at the end of the movie, he realizes that it was her. And so that's when he, you know, like, and he has a very sweet relationship with her the entire movie. He's always telling her, like, how great of a mom she is and what a great job she's doing and how he, like, she, like, inspires him. But it's at the very end when he figures out that she was the pitcher that he decides to pitch like her instead. So very sweet movie, but that's all I've seen. So uh, let's talk about some TV. TV shows we've seen. (laughs) We've seen. (laughs) Only played once. Yes. Hell yeah. Uh, Rob, any TV? Um, Watched the, I think it's the fifth and sixth episodes of uh, the wheel of time. Mm hmm. Um, which if, are you caught up yet or not? Uh, I would not have seen today's episode. Okay. Yeah. So I won't say anything about today's app, but, um, these last two have been like maybe my favorites. Like they've, you know, spent the, the first few kind of showing off the characters and kind of getting them towards like a main location. And the last couple have been a lot of like, um, kind of character stuff and a lot lore, uh, expanding of the lore, especially the stuff with the Aes Sedai mm-hmm. and um, sort of their relationships with the kind of characters from the two rivers. Um, I really loved it. Um, in fact, I might've, I might've talked about the fifth episode the last time we got together, but um, yeah, I'll keep, I'll just keep it brief because I, I just been really liking it. And yeah. um, I think we already said they've, they were greenlit for two more seasons at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited by that. And I think there's only a couple episodes left in this one. So I'm interested to see where, kind of you know cliffhanger they leave it on but um yeah i just am really impressed by it i i you know there's been some there's been some adaptations and things that have left me wanting and um i feel like they did a pretty solid job on this yeah um the other tv i've seen and this just came out today i'm I've, uh, only a couple episodes in is uh saturday morning all-star hits and this is um a show on Netflix from Kyle Mooney from SNL and some uh, folks from podcasts that I enjoy. Scott Gardner from Podcast The Ride, I think, is a writer and executive producer. Um, Fran Gillespie, who also works on SNL, uh, Doughboys Regular and, and such. It was like, a, I think, a creative consultant on at least the first episode. Um, yeah, really funny stuff. It's sort of mimicking. It's sort of like Kyle Mooney playing two like twin brothers that are introducing all these like animated segments and things and it's all very like saved by the bellish you know tv static they're kind of just kind of like a haze to the whole thing Mm because it looks like it's playing on an old tv sort of um the cartoons are weirdly like dark and end on strange notes and stuff like that like kyle moody Moody does some interesting shit he does and he and it feels like there's always like a twinge of like sadness or like kind of like you know like darkness and stuff to it but i like that i love Mm -hmm. i think i praised very highly his uh brigsby bear movie that he did i thought that was excellent i love that so much so um 
yeah, I would definitely say to check that out. Again, I'm only a few episodes in, but I, I kind of see the trajectory it's taking, and I think it'll probably take some dark turns and stuff too, but uh, it's very good so far. I like sure. it. Anything else? I just re- I just read about that one, and I'm interested in, in watching it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rob, anything else? Um, no, those are my main TV I've seen. Max, you watch any TV? Yeah, I just kind of continued some of the stuff I've been watching before. Watched some more uh, Only Murders in the Building with Steve Martin and Martin Short and uh, Selena Gomez and Sting and Tina Fey. And uh, it's yeah, it continues to be pretty fun. And they're, they're, Sting and Tina Fey? That is what I said. The musician Sting or the wrestler Sting? <laughs> Good question. Uh, it's the, the musician okay. Sting. Um, and they do a lot of puns in there with uh his song titles um cute very cute um yeah it's it's good they they've been throwing in some twists and turns and it's uh stayed interesting throughout and it's got some character development for the the main three of them like learning to get along through this um through egos and through you know past difficulties Mm -hmm. and a generation gap um but yeah, it's it's a good one. I've been enjoying it. Uh, still working on it. And uh, then the other one I watched was Arcane, which, which I haven't finished yet, but uh, it's been really fun. Animation's incredible. Oh, uh, yes. Music is a little bit weird, and especially because it seemed like they had like a an act like they animated Imagine Dragons in there doing it one of their songs or something yeah which is i like, mean they were like all much. in on a match like they did the op- they did the opening theme too and stuff so i was like eh, i'm not that blown up. i'm not that i'm not that surprised that there was like a little cameo by them yeah but, it is because like, I, I, I think i mentioned the music like you know what i mean though it's like it's not like my vibe but like it i think it fits the vibe of the show but it's not exactly yeah. like my favorite thing it like, is funny we're later going to talk about a tv show that kind of clowns on imagine dragons but um specific yeah i yeah. i feel like i was i was watching something that was clowning on imagine dragons and then uh like you did yeah, right, yeah. Oh, okay because <laughs> yeah, we all watched. don't you feel like yeah. it you did it was like it was <laughs> the day after i think i watched it that they like after clowning on it then uh they show up this one was just yeah so like i don't know something about the character them, was yeah. like i'm taking my girlfriend to see arcane in the theaters arcane <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, it, it 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 does drip with angst even outside of the music sometimes. But uh, I I feel like they it warrants it. They they it do it, they do it pretty well, and yeah. like tackle some stuff that would would mess a person up. Uh, how do you know how far you are? Uh, how many episodes you've been? You've uh, uh, I know watched. I'm through six at least, possibly oh, wow. seven. Okay, yeah. So okay, yeah, because like close to the three end. is the time jump, and then mm-hmm. I think I told you like they came out in three episode batches, so like. That's sort of how how most people were seeing it. it was like first three, next three, final three. Um, yeah, let me know when you're finished because that's I really I really enjoyed it, dude. Like League of Legends, I couldn't care less about the actual game. But either so they announced this Project L that's like an incredible looking fighting game coming out. But also they uh, like a different company made another game called I think it's called. Uh, Oh my gosh, I forget the oh something about the Ruined King. I think it's League of Legends Ruined King or something. But uh it's it's basically a re not a remake, but in the same vein as this Battle Chasers Night War game that was pretty cool. It's like a uh strategy game. But anyways, all I'm saying is with Arcane and uh these 
two new games coming out. Like you might play League I'm, of Legends. I don't think I will because I went back and watched like a video of of the actual League of Legends. I was like, I'm not interested in this at all still. But the world itself, I think, uh, is is rich apparently, or or they just know how to get talented people working on their stuff, whatever yeah. it is. Everything like, they're doing, like the voice actors are all great. Like yeah. the animation style is great. Like and. I don't know how much lore has come across in the like league game. Like, I don't know how much of like, I don't know if like the Jinx character is like, ah, did you know she was powder an orphan from, you know, the undercity? It's like, maybe, maybe that wasn't even present in the description or whatever at this point, but I'm loving all this build up for these characters and stuff. It's very cool. I really wonder how much of it they made up that recently I found out that um, like a nickname that they use in the, in the show for her when, when her name is, powder they call her pow pow at some point and that's like the name of a gun that she uses it's called pow pow and i think they just kind of like re- they reverse wrote it back in there or whatever that makes you know? sense though because she's also kind of like uh harley quinnish kind of she uses like little like uh, grenades and and kind of like shit like that so yeah she I, I, much, I like that very much does remind me of harley quinn and joker uh like kind of simultaneously sometimes yeah nice yeah and and that's it for me how about you andrew uh my wife and i finished the say by the bell season two the reboot on peacock and Mm -hmm. man i really am pretty impressed how much i like the show it's um i think i mentioned it before but it's it's done by a lot of the same people who did like the mindy project and some other comedies but it strikes i think a really good tone of nostalgia but also like making fun of the weird shit from the for the original show but also like making it kind of kind of sweet at the same time like it's they've done a very good job of crafting a show that is sort of paying homage to the original but also like recognizing that the original is not very good and like making this its own show too it like it's sort of like it feels a little surreal at times like it is in the way that like the mini project itself could have could venture into being a little surreal in its comedy Mm. Say by the bell, it's the same thing where it's just like these these can't exist in the I mean they do, but it just feels like they can't be the same universe, you know, like the original Say by the Bell in this one. <clears throat> There's a very funny bit where like Zach is talking to Kelly and he says something about like because the first season of Say by the Bell, they're in middle school in Indiana, and then the next season they're all in high school in LA with like no explanation. And he makes some crack about like one day I was in middle school in Indiana and I felt like I just woke up and I was in high school in LA. So it's just like, there's, you know, they have some fun, but yeah, I enjoyed it. It's, it's, it's very good. So this is a, a remake where they have like totally new actors and, and just like um, same, same character names. No. So like the actors of like Zach and Kelly and Jesse and Slater and Lisa from the original show all are adults in this in this version, but like the main actors are all different kids. So like one of them is Zach and Kelly's son, and then like Jesse's son is in the show, and like a bunch of like the main cast is like new kids going to Bayside, but it's like they do have the original actors kind of pop in every so often. I think that I I feel like that's the way to do it. That's like you know continue the story yeah keep keep it going but start you know get some new people in there but have them not you know take over the roles i I feel like that was a misstep that they were doing for a while and i feel like they've 
somewhat course corrected. And I think we'll talk a bit more about that later. Uh, we but, can actually um, talk about that right now, Max. What ooh, a great let's segue. It. Let's talk about an adaptation that does just that. Ghostbusters Afterlife. We watched Ghostbusters Afterlife in movie theaters only. Speaking of nostalgia, that that song takes me back a little bit. Good. To when I was watching the movie and, and they had that in the in the credits. <laughs> I was uh, like, I don't remember. It, it opens with a yeah, as soon as that Ghostbusters Afterlife logo comes on. Uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Before we get into spoilers and thoughts of the movie, would you recommend people go to the movie theater to see Ghostbusters Afterlife? You always mm. got to phrase it like that, Andrew. Well, it's only playing in theaters, so I I got to call it like I see it. Um, I would say, without giving too much away, uh, that you could probably wait to see this one at home if you wanted to. Um. It's always it's always nice to have the spectacle of the theater and like these so much nostalgia the sounds and sights uh you know big and loud uh in the theater like that but i think i'm i'm leaning more towards like this will be for rental before too long so yeah max what about you yeah it's it's one of those things i can't really uh tell you how to live your life right you gotta you gotta pick for yourself Uh-oh, I like here we the go movie. if you if if you aren't doing a podcast with your friends, I don't see any reason why you'd have to go to a theater. But if you really enjoy going to theaters and are feeling comfortable with if it, if your right name now, is podcast, and if it's you're important <laughs> that you, oh my god, yeah, <laughs> we could talk. We'll about, talk. We'll talk about it. We'll yeah. talk about podcasts. But yeah, yeah. If you are, I mean, we are right now. We're talking on podcasts. If you're a guy and you call yourself podcast when you introduce yourself to other people then you'll probably want to see this in theaters. Then you might be a Ghostbuster. Your story's being told on screen. Yeah, you may want to see this movie. Uh, What about uh, you, Drew? Yeah. I I, I agree. I think, like, this is not a movie that I think is necessarily, like, uh, optimized for the the, the movie screen. I had fun watching it in a movie theater, but it is one of those things that if, like, yeah, being in a movie theater is uncomfortable – It'll be available for rent soon, and I think it's probably going to be just as enjoyable watching on like a big TV or whatever size screen you have at home than it would be at the movie theater. So it's like a I, I'd give it a tepid go to the movie theater if you're comfortable recommendation for it. Um, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, this is a movie starring Carrie Coon, aka Proxima Midnight, Paul Rudd, aka Ant Man, uh, Finn Wolfhart, aka Mike from Stranger Things. And uh, uh, McKenna Grace, who I was sort of unfamiliar with before this movie. And then the kid who plays podcast, as you mentioned. Logan Kim. Logan Kim. Um, And then perhaps some familiar faces, other actors that if you Google the cast, you get giant, huge spoilers about (laughs) who else is maybe in the movie. I mean, like some of them, some of them are like a spoiler, but like one of them just kind of like very casually gets introduced in the movie. So I was not like surprised to see that character show up and I wasn't surprised to see any of them show up to be frank, but like, hmm. um, it, it was like, it, it is a little, uh, 
upsetting is the wrong word, but like well, if you yeah, just look we'll, at the cast, we, you yeah. We'll need to dive into that. The I know what we're all talking about, the last one. Um, but no, I, obviously who I'm referring to, and you know, a little bit of spoiler, of course we mean Josh Gad playing much. <laughs> That's right, exactly. Can I yeah. okay, I am gonna say real quick, but I I forgot that it was Josh Gad who voiced Muncher. And when the, it came I mean, up he in the disappeared credits, to the role, I could barely, you know, was, he did no, a great job. Yeah, I, he's muncher to me from now on. <laughs> I'm gonna hear, I'm gonna hear his muncher when I'm watching Frozen. Um, yeah, I muncher voiced Olaf. <laughs> why does it have to be Josh Gad doing like <laughs> noises? Like, why not give that role to a voice actor? Josh I Gad's fine. The, the same reason why Bill Hader is BB-8, I think. Just cause it's just cause or like they're, you know, friends with somebody who helped make the movie in the case of Bill Hader and Ben Schwartz. But well, it's like, especially weird because like, there's not really like lines. He doesn't like, he, yeah, you know he goes, and then like, and like, it just yeah, makes like, so it noises, just feels like so... it really feels like you kind of took a paycheck away from someone who like could have used it more than him. Exactly. And, and yeah, this isn't like, this isn't like a rocket raccoon situation where like, that is still like a weird thing where I'm like, come on, Bradley Cooper, he does fine, but at least he's like doing a performance and he's putting on a voice and it kind of feels like a little different than than something like this. I don't know. Weird, weird stuff. They just but, got about 45 to 60 seconds of us talking about uh, <laughs> Muncher in this movie and because it was Josh, Josh Gad and we would have moved right on if it was uh, a voice actor who we yeah, didn't know. Really right. Know. Well, I would also like to say that I wasn't sure who was Muncher, uh, Josh Gad, or me eating the popcorn during the movie. I was chowing down hey. on that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Support your local concessions. <laughs> That's right. They're really they're, they're hurting hard for concession money at the movie theaters. So even if you don't go in and feel comfortable eating in the theater, just buy it and just leave. buy it. You say dump it out. Give me the Muncher meal. <laughs> There, Which is uh, a small popcorn soda and part of a fire hydrant. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> an iron girder, like a bite of an iron girder. Um, there was an, another actor who was in here who, uh, I wish I knew the name, but um, she's in Reservation Dogs. And she's really funny in Reservation Dogs. But she has about like two seconds in here. And like, basically, I heard her voice a couple times. And I was like, what? Like, she's off screen talking. And then they show her face for a, like split 0.5 seconds. I was like, it's interesting that they got someone who's so talented. And, and just like she was one of the, the friends that they were hanging out with at the quarry or whatever. Oh, OK. Uh, and like barely there at all. Really funny uh, actor, comedian. Uh, so like ho- hopefully she's getting bigger roles after mm-hmm. this. Uh, maybe there's some some deleted scenes that she's in. Well, this all, really this movie is also made like two years ago, so it's just it like it. So like she's probably blown up more since the movie was made. Could be, could be. I am getting a weird. Um, hmm, this is odd. I looked up the cast list. Munchers, uh, Munchers in your computer. Munchers in my computer. Munchers in the files. Are um, you guys ever used to play number munchers? Unrelated. <laughs> that's where anyway. it came from. Uh, I looked at the cast list and I'm looking, I'm scrolling down. I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, there's not a ton of like main actors. There's a lot more of like, yeah, background characters in the town and stuff like that. Near the bottom of the list, Greg Turkington as Muncher. <laughs> what? And I was, and that seems to, uh, maybe that was him he, early. He was in the role for that. Or maybe we were, there's someone Wait, pulling is that, the wool over. Are you, are you? That's what I'm, 
I'm look up Ghostbusters cast at Ghostbusters Afterlife cast and I'm I'm scrolling down and that's what it showed. Maybe Should this was screen, like early on. Just uh, maybe early on this was like a a possibility and it's since changed. Um it's not showing up on his IMDb. Um Is he listed as a voice? Maybe he was mocap. He did oh, mocap. It's yeah. He did the mocap. He, he flew around um, the room. Also another revelation, didn't know Greg Turkington Australian born. I didn't know that either. I mean it it sort of makes sense why like the high network website has had like a bunch of articles about Muncher. Mm-hmm. Uh, is if, if he maybe... was also like the early like image from the movie was like Muncher, yeah, like, two years ago. Like, so you're not gonna believe how big of a party plays. <laughs> um, well, we should get into it, we should talk about the movie a little bit, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, what, um, it is a as Max, you were talking about with what you think they did right hearing about say by the bell i think like so i i i left out a movie that i did watch this week and i did watch ghostbusters answer the call just yesterday and you know like doesn't canonically tie into this no at all it it, in fact i think does not exist (laughs) anymore doesn't exist um and i i watched it did you even watch it really i don't remember i maybe i was just on the phone with somebody i think so I mean, I was shocked when this movie started and it said Ghost Core, and I was like, "Oh yeah, the company that I thought only was going to exist for that single right, film." So right, That's that's wild. Um, you know, like so, I was watching Answer the Call, and like there are parts of Answer the Call that I still like, even though I think like ha- now having Afterlife come out and having that be canonically the follow up to Ghostbusters One. <laughs> um, we'll talk about that too, but um, mm-hmm. you know, like Answer the Call is a fun movie, but I don't think that it is quite the, like the follow up to a franchise that I think is the sort of thing that like now having seen afterlife, I, Mm -hmm. you know, like answer the call is a fun movie. And I kind of wish it was called anything but ghostbusters. Exactly. That's, I feel like that's always my point. And it's, it's funny how the, the critiques of that movie got critiqued so hard because I think, um, it got lumped, it kind lumped of, into like it kind of pans out. It kind yeah, of it just like, got lumped into like the misogynistic "why women" sort of thing, and yeah. it's not a perfect movie. And you know, like I like I said, there are parts of it I I do like, um, but I do think like history is kind of borne out that it is is maybe not a worthy successor to the previous movies. Yeah, Whereas it just, it's after- totally very different, and yeah, it's. Uh... Yeah, like you said, like obviously the name Ghostbusters is what's going to put people in the seats. But I, I think I said this at the time when it came out. Like, I think a a comedy with all of those those actors fighting, you know, that make up a business to fight ghosts. Like, you people would shake their finger and go, "That's like Ghostbusters." But if it was called, you know, like the Specter Squad or something, there wouldn't yeah. be all the baggage and expectations that people are bringing to it too. Um, and I think that's the common thing with a lot of stuff where it's like. People are like, why isn't there like a female James Bond? It's like, why isn't there just like a good role for a woman that could be like a secret agent that doesn't have to be? And not because I'm like, don't touch my James Bond, but because like it doesn't need like the baggage of being a James Bond movie either. I think that's the same. The same thing goes for that, where it's like, I think it would have been fine, except it doesn't feel like a Ghostbusters movie to me. And that's the name attached to it. And I wish it had been able to kind of do its own thing if it wanted. Yeah. So. Um, But yes, the... So yeah, what did you think about this? Because I feel like there are a lot of differences, like especially New York is like a character in the Ghostbusters movies. 
So having them, you know, jet off to where Summer, are they, Kansas Summer, or? Somerville, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, where the ghosts go flying out the mine. <laughs> um, so that was already like a big change where I was like, oh man, like not, I just like love that setting. And that was such like a, that was like what I thought New York was like as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> just ghosts flying around everywhere. <laughs> well, not if the Ghostbusters had anything to do with it. <laughs> Um, but it did inform like that was a very much like yeah a New York my New York movie when I was a kid. Um, so there's that change immediately. Um, I will say like it just sort of if we're just kind of jumping around and stuff like as far as like the acting goes like I thought McKenna Grace was great. Oh she's, she's awesome. She's so she was, good like in this the best movie. part about the movie. She's definitely doing before they reveal and we should just kind of get into spoilers a little bit before they reveal their connection to. Uh, Egon Spengler and the fact that they are his grandchildren. She uh, her is her. She is the perfect actress to portray the the grandchild of Egon. I mm. love it. She's yeah. very quietly like before she even knows, and she she doesn't still doesn't really know who he is. She didn't have grew up with him, but like she evokes Spengler. Yeah, uh, really well, and I I love that about her performance. Wolfhard, but, but here, eh. <clears throat> yeah, he's he's doing he's his still own thing. Stranger Thingy, and he didn't just, he didn't have a lot to do in my opinion. But I think he fit uh, what he needed to in the role. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that McKenna Grace um, kind of like evoking the feeling of Egon. I, I feel like she did a better job because here's another one where they continued it. Uh, the new Bill and Ted. I mm. thought that their kids being exactly like them, like uh, 90s surfers, was kind of like a missed opportunity where, or just kind of like, why are we doing this again? Why aren't we updating this? Why would they be acting like this, like two decades mm -hmm. uh, apart from where they should, you know, right. three decades, four decades, whatever, uh, apart from where they should be. Uh, but this was a good example of it making sense by today's standards, but still evoking the same feeling of, of Egon. Yeah. Yeah. And this is like, you were talking about Finn Wolfhard not having a lot to do. I mean, this is... Like I'd say, Phoebe's the main character of the movie. Like 100%. you know, uh, whatever her brother Finn Wolfhard's character's name is, he is a side character in this movie, and like he doesn't well, like. You could, how could you forget Trevor? Trevor, <laughs> Trevor Spangler. Um, yeah, he is a he's a he's a supporting character to Phoebe in this, and you know, like we've all said, McKenna Grace is is awesome in this. She does a great performance and is is yeah, evoking Harold Ramis's egon so well what like while putting her own spin on it like it's yes. not she's not being egon now mm -hmm. i have a question is so carrie coon's character is egon's daughter yes but egon, i don't feel like egon she... fucks yeah we know egon <laughs> fucks um ghost. um <laughs> yeah we know he's gotten a ghost blow job or two um <laughs> he got slimed <laughs> And wow. slimed Mun others. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Muncher apparently appeared much earlier in the franchise than we anticipated. Um, but she wasn't as giving me as much like the daughter of Egon vibes, but she was also doing some fun stuff where she was sort of like a mess, which I kind of liked. Like I, she was like, I thought she was really fun in this. She was trying to date. She was getting too drunk sometimes. And she, but she was like, and she was trying to make it work and not doing such a great job and trying to keep her kids in line. And, but was also real like, I want like my kid to get in trouble. Like I wish, you know, Phoebe would, you know, go out and do something, you know, crazy because like, that's just part of being a kid. And so I, I, I kind of liked what she was doing. There's, I, 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 I dug her role. 
I like the family dynamics a lot. Mm-hmm. Like that mom and the two kids and uh, the way they push back on each other and the way they support each other. I thought that was great. And I completely understand like why she wouldn't end up as Egon as another Egon. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, because she hated that guy and he wasn't a part of her life. Right. So like it would make sense for it to skip a generation. Did they ever say like, in the movie who her mom was supposed to be? No, I, I, so. I, yeah, there's never even like a hint at it because like, I think Janine most people would shows have, up. Yeah. I, that's what I was going to say. I think most people would have assumed Janine, but she's like in the movie within like 15 minutes. And, but, and the other, well, the funny thing to me is that she gives me, the mom gives me more Janine vibes where yeah. she's like a little like sassy and stuff. And I was kind of waiting for her to be like, mom, get out of here. Like, you know, I didn't want to know dad or something, but that never happened. And right. I was like, okay, so Egon, but then again, they also kind of established that in number two, that Janine and uh, Lewis Tully are kind of becoming an item. So oh, that's true. They, they actually, okay. So apparently um, they don't even talk about number two very much in this movie. They don't talk about it at all. I think. Yeah. The, the the writers did talk about how they wanted to explain number two a little bit, like the the difference, between, like why Janine was not into Egon in the second movie or why she was like uh, moving on to somebody else saying that Egon did like would have had a kid at that point who was two years old. If you like look at the years mm-hmm. and they were kind of like counting on that to kind of explain why uh, Janine and Egon didn't become an item in the second one because he was already taken essentially, but you know, Hmm. he, he had was already, uh, already had a kid. Maybe it was that assistant in number two. He's like behind the glass and he's like, let's take the puppy away from her. And he's like talking to that woman. I'll bet. I'll bet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right though. I think like they literally show like a wall in the mind where it's like the dates of like giant, you know, paranormal events. And they have like, the events of like, you know, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man and, and Gozer showing up. But then like, I'm pretty sure they don't have the date for like Vigo no, it goes covering, from... covering the Natural History Museum in slime and shit. It's like, well, what the fuck? I mean, I know people don't like two as much as the first one, but like that didn't happen either. Like what the hell's going on? I, I mean, I think like what we're supposed to be led to believe is that the event, like the the, date, the dates on the wall are strictly like Gozer related. Oh, that is true. Never, You're right. You're right. The slime is a different a different thing right but also like there is no, almost zero reference maybe zero actual zero reference to ghostbusters 2 that is weird i mean i feel like if i watched an easter egg video i wonder if there's any sort of callback to the car or uh yeah carpathia or any sort of thing in there i wonder right or to ghostbusters the video game the because, canonical I mean, third movie <laughs> yeah canonical um because they definitely didn't skimp on uh fan service and <laughs> easter eggs and stuff so it feels like the kind of thing where like you should have seen like Vigo's portrait up in the school or something, you know, like it would have been, I think that would have been, I'm honestly shocked. They didn't do that because they put so much other stuff in here. So was the, I, you know, it's been a little while since I've seen Ghostbusters one and two was like raise a cult shop and like that was number two. So that is a direct. And then like Peter doing like the psychic stuff. Wasn't that also number two? That's number one. That's when you first meet him. He's doing like the cards and stuff. Oh, sorry. No, he has the psychic show in the second movie that's right because he that's does what he's the... gone on to do yeah 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 um yeah i i didn't love at some point um there's the connection made that um spengler is like literally like leading phoebe around which i thought was like interesting when like you know the lights are turning on and stuff like that i thought it was a convenient like he's around as a ghost but then like then the pke meter would turn on and i'm like was he there or not like, right it feels like it should always be buzzing if he's in the freaking house yeah but he you know she finds the the kind of puzzle in the ground and 
the spores, molds, and fungus that he's been collecting, those famous spores, molds, and fungus that he mentioned in the first movie once, uh-huh. um, are in the th- case downstairs, and he's kind of showing her stuff. I did like the scene when the mom's down there later, and it's like, how did you figure all this out? And it like turns the light onto all his degrees, and she's like, okay, you're a fucking <laughs> genius. Like, whatever, thank you. Um, hey, he didn't stop you from dying, dum dum. Hey, I have um, a question about the the, the secret basement in that mm-hmm. little outhouse. How do they get back up? In that outhouse, uh, you just have to climb that pole, baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> also, like that is such a that is a funny thing where it's like I didn't think Egon was like in love with the fire pole. Yeah, that's in a, the yeah. firehouse. Like <laughs> right. that was a thing that like Ray specifically was like cool. It was just because that's the place they bought. It's like, yeah, it's, so, was, it's so funny to me. He's like, got it. I have yeah, got to have this. If I'm going to keep anything from the firehouse, it's got to be the pole. <laughs> it was also funny to me how willing people were to just hop down that fire pole. Right. And, like not really know. Like, I wouldn't want to go down night, a basement that had like, yeah, there, like yeah. sturdy stairs, let alone like a pole I might not be able to get back up. Yeah. It just seemed weird because they would they would just go like, hey, there's there's some some kind of supernatural thing pointing me down into this dark hole. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Peace. No, thank you. <laughs> Movie over. Um, Paul Rudd, charming as always in this. Yeah. Um, I I feel like for me, and we're kind of we're just kind of hopping around a little bit, but like I feel like for me personally, like the ending fell apart a little bit. Um, especially like there's well, a part where they get to the mountain and there's like a jump from like their uh, there's a confrontation on the mountain and then they get to their vehicle and get back to town. And I was like, well, what are the, where were the bad guys? They were just standing there watching them run away like it truly like that's how quick everyone leaves and i was like okay i I don't understand what's going on that is one of the things i didn't like about the movie and that is in order to like it feels like that is now a like a, a a trope of nostalgia movies which is to recycle the villain and almost the exact like plot of the end of like it feels like what they did with afterlife is what they did in um the force awakens where it's just like you redo the almost like redo beat for beat what happened at the end of the movie that you're kind of referencing. And I didn't like that, you know, the mom and Paul Rudd get turned into the gatekeeper and the, the and the key dogs. master. And then like, you know, they I, I didn't go, like that, that the mom goes like this swish. And then she has like the, the same kind of dress as Dana did. Yeah. In the movie. Because I was like, I always pictured that like, that I didn't think that demons made her a dress, but I figured that Dana had some weird dress that she doesn't wear very much. And when like the dog possessed her and she was getting all like, you know, weird and creepy. And even Venkman was like, Hey, I'm not going to have sex with you. You're acting weird. I figured she had just like gotten into this weird garb. Yeah. and was like not herself anymore. It was weird that in Carrie Coons is like, huzzah, I'm wearing the key master or the gatekeeper dress. It's like, okay, I guess the signature gatekeeper dress there. Yeah. yeah, Like there's, I I thought this movie did a pretty good job of not being too ham fisted with the callbacks, except that. And the, who are you going to call line? I just was like, "Mm, I what's, you know, like it, it felt unnatural in the way that it was presented. Like, you know, everybody's waiting for the line and yeah. Well, for example, like, I don't know. It, it was, it's so weird to me because like, I, I'm a total hypocrite. Like I think there's plenty of stuff like force awakens and other movies where, there's some of the callbacks and references that I love. There's other ones that I groan about. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you're watching this Ghostbusters movie, so it's like show me something original. It's like, but also remind me I'm watching <laughs> Ghostbusters. Right. So like, what, for example, like, what did you guys think of like the mini Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man? I didn't like them. Me neither. I didn't like them. It had to me like a Baby Yoda syndrome of like we need to bring back a popular mm-hmm. thing and also make them cute. Yeah, let's and throw they sh- some cute toys. They showed up out of nowhere. 
they were already they they showed it to the point where like one of them's coming out of the marshmallow bags, but there was other ones already out around the right. store. Right, there's a I million think. already out. Yeah, already I mean, out in the appliances and doing shit. Plus, the demon dog got in to a Walmart, and it's like this. The, there's no one in the Walmart. It feels like like he hears was, someone scream. That but, was like, weird. Yeah, and I did like that. You know, intentional or not. Paul Rudd cannot get away from Baskin Robbins. It got him in Ant Man, and, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it got him He's again got in the freezer aisle. Here. He has a deal with them. Yeah, um, I the Terror Dog I, looked I, great. I, with the actual model of the Terror Dog looked really good. I thought. Yeah, yeah. The uh, so this the Stay Puft Marshmallow Minis or whatever. I didn't like them in um, in concept. Like they they really felt like pandering. But I kind of did like what they did with them in that they had like really dark suicide things going on. Of oh, like, yeah, like killing each other. and yeah, yeah, and just, or yeah, I guess homicide, not suicide, but just like them blending each other and like all the different ways, putting them, putting themselves in s'mores. So I guess it was just like weird, dark uh, and gory, but with marshmallows instead of blood uh, humor. Mm-hmm. But, well, that it's I, also I did like, like, even though I didn't like the the fact that they were like, yeah, well, let's put these marshmallows in here again. It's also weird because it's like Ray thought of that randomly and that became Gozer's form. There was never like, it wasn't like established that like now there's just like marshmallow minions or anything. I was also a little confused. Like, well, there should have been, is- I guess like there should have been, if that, if that's the case where like, because the, 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 the demon dog like sort of activated a bunch of like weird ghosts there should have been other mascots running around the Walmart, not just the Stay Puft Marshmallow Men. Because, like, it yeah. seems like it was activating all these different things. It should have, like, there should have also been, like, I don't know, like a Toucan Sam ghost or something. like <laughs> Just, like, other things, not just the Stay Puft Marshmallow Men. Well, the very Man. end, like, kind of at the very end, they only show it briefly, like, the town starts to have other ghosts appear in it. And it's, like, a weird ghost that, like, I swear was probably a toy I had where it's, like, two little eyes and like a big eye that's kind of like flying around uh-huh. inside of his head. There's the, Oh, there's like the zombie miner in the cafe, which is sort of a reference to like the really freaky looking, like rotting zombie in the first ghostbusters. Like it goes up the tailpipe of a cab and then there's like a corpse driving a guy around. Yeah. It's like, this doesn't even look like a ghost. What the hell is happening? <laughs> so that was like another weird reference. Um, but yeah, it just, uh, it was just like odd to me. And, Personally, like I don't know we, if we can if we can kind of skip ahead to that to that a little bit. Sure. Um, I yeah, I thought it was kind of lame that they had Gozer come back and not at least like have like another like form like a new form or something. Uh, new actress though. Yeah, I just thought like Gozer like is freaky to me. Like if you go back and look, like her eyes are bugging out of her face and they're completely like filled with blood, and they like she looks just like crinkly and weird, and I just didn't like the new version looked too like much like a costume. It looked too much like someone, you know, has an, a makeup artist friend and was like, you're going as Gozer for Halloween. It's like, okay. I, I just didn't, I feel yeah, like if they were going to bring it back. They should have almost just done like CG and made it look exactly like the other Gozer or something. It was a much more, it seemed like cleaned up version. Yeah. It was weird. Like it, it genuinely just didn't seem as scary. Like if you go back and look at Gozer, like her eyes, like as a kid, I, I thought Gozer was scary as hell because it was this, yeah, like weird androgynous creature. And like, she was like flying around and screaming and was like so powerful. So like when I was running around playing Ghostbusters, like that was always such a fun, crazy villain. And this one just seemed like so tame in, in my opinion. Yeah, I, so. as much as like, I, I did think like in terms of like finding an actress 
who looks enough like the Gozer actress. I think they yeah. did like the casting of Olivia Wilde, I think is good. Like, but yeah. I, I agree with you. I think there is something kind of missing from the presentation and performance in, in the character. I almost forgot. I thought this was a weird, this was an interesting thing to include, especially like for a big actor to have like such a small role that someone who's only been mentioned in name before, even Yvonne Shandor, who made <laughs> Dana Simmons. Barrett's, yeah. J.K. Simmons, who made Dana Barrett's apartment and this and entire this mining company, and then turns out is like entombed like Lenin, like at the bottom of this mine, and is just like like waiting to be resurrected. Hey, hey, spoilers for Get Back. I don't need to know what happens to John Lennon at the end of the documentary. All right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, he truly like wakes up. At near the end when when Gozer's popping out and is like comes up to her and is like or them and is like ah oh, you've brought me back and now we can bring about the end and she rips him in half and that's exit stage right did you did you think like I didn't even notice as J.K. Simmons until he got out of the tomb so like no the entire time they're like running around his body I was just like oh that's just you know some old man actor Give and then pictures of Stay Pop. <laughs> I, I didn't realize it was him until you said it just now. Right now, yeah. That was J.K. Simmons in his big wow. role. Yeah. Here's here's one thing. they I didn't really understand a couple things, I guess, in, in relation to Egon's uh, character and how he changed. He, they turned him into quite the asshole, right? Like he was- He, he was, was a recluse. A I, I don't love their excuse for like how things fell apart, but we yeah, always talk about it. Because it really didn't seem to add up. That uh, like first of all, he fought ghosts with his friends, right? Mm-hmm. And then they totally saved New York. Took, yeah, and they and then like they didn't believe that he had stumbled across this thing, even though there's a gaping hole in the ground, shooting up ghosts constantly. There's a dead man in a coffin right by a picture of Gozer. Like there's there's so much evidence. That's there even that crazier. He, I didn't even think about the part about like no, literally even Shandor is at the bottom of this mine. Like this is something. Yeah, yeah that's like, a really good point. And so like he could have taken a picture of any one of those things, and they would have been like, all right, let's get on it. But instead, they they like completely uh, ignored him and left him and, mm-hmm. and had him do his thing. And then also, so like he's down in this cave. He sets up something to automatically like uh, to keep the yeah like. Like Ghostbuster turrets, basically. Yeah. Like, yeah. To, like whenever, whenever things start getting uh, bad, they just it shoots. When a there's something then, strange in the neighborhood, they yeah, like, exactly. it down. It, it just automatically makes a call to the Ghostbusters. Um, no, so they answer it, the call. Like he he keeps it going. So there's these earthquakes that are happening. He uh, clearly has it set up to automatically do this, and yet he has to be away from his family like 24 seven. He can't eat like. He has the time to cut out clips of what his daughter's been doing throughout the years, but he can't telephone her once and say, you know, like, hey, I'm proud of you for this or anything like that. It's just so stupid that he is an asshole, like even though he was doing the right thing to say. Yeah, it's sort of like the burden of of protecting this was like so great that like he forsook everything else but it's like but he didn't need to so it didn't so that feel was like, like a stupid choice of him and it's like yeah. in lost when like someone discovers like oh look at all these like fake clothes and beards maybe the the people the others on the island are fake well i shan't tell anyone it's like <laughs> it's frustrating that like egon knew, knew all this stuff and enough to say like ray and everyone uh there's more paranormal crazy stuff happening you know in oklahoma and they were like well we don't believe you yeah buzz off dude we, we yeah this only happens in new york city yeah 
they the greatest city in the world. It's weird that he wouldn't, yes, have documented or or done a better job explaining it. And it's also weird on the other side that like, like Ray was like this with Egon in the starting. Like Peter's the one who's like a more of a goofball and is kind of like really not a scientist. It feels like, and those are the two that are like building the tech and like understand. Like Ray's always like spouting off the Bible stuff and like this is like a four phase four phantasm. Like why wouldn't he? At least Believe check him. it out. Like, at least, like, look into it. Just something. Mm-hmm. I didn't mm-hmm. love the... I felt like the info dump was really unrealistic when, like, McKenna Grace calls him, and he's like, he's like, I don't want to talk about... Like, almost hangs up on her, and then he's like, kid, I'll tell you the whole backstory. <laughs> yeah. And that's even before well, she that, says she's yeah. related to Egon. Now that I know <laughs> that you're interested, yeah. Let me let me give you five minutes I'll, of exposition. I'll be honest, no one calls this fucking shop. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'll just tell you. Who cares? Um... Yeah, I thought the ending for me was cut. We we kind of were skipping a lot in the middle. Like, yeah, I didn't think podcast was terrible. I thought the actor no. was charming enough. I, the I name think, is like, stupid. The, uh, like the name is absolutely, and it feels to me like the podcast stuff, the character and his podcast thing is like it feels like it was written like five or six years it's, ago. It's it, you know, the way that like Max, you get really upset when like people don't like do video game stuff well. It just it feels very like basic information of a podcast where it's just My like kid told me about a podcast. So I'm going to, I'm going to translate that into this character to the point where like when, when uh mechanic Grace's character says like, I'll listen to your podcast. He hands her like a fucking USB drive. Like why? Like it's on the internet. Like what, what is like, it felt like somebody who you're right. Like just heard the name, like the term no, I, podcast. I think he may like as well hand her like American a summer who is like broadcasting, but he's not plugged in. Yeah. <laughs> So I think I think this guy's making his podcast, but he hasn't released any episodes yet. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, he has because uh, you know Ray was of course a big fan and hey, his only listener. Yeah, apparently, uh, really picks up around episode forty six. He's but... like, hey, you, had you ever do a tri- uh, uh, episode on the Crystal Skulls of uh, Mexico yet? So <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I've listened to every one of your your podcasts. I've downloaded them to my USB and, and, and uh, listened to. <laughs> What a coincidence, too, that he's listening to a podcast of this kid who lives in the same town as his former partner. Right. <laughs> or a bunch, yeah. Who who could have guessed? Yeah, there's a lot of, there's some, like, weird plot holes mm-hmm. abound in this. And you're right, the third act, it does kind of fall apart. That all being said, I did enjoy the movie quite a bit. And, like, you know, we said, you know, 30 minutes ago, like, McKenna Grace, I think, turns in such a great performance in this movie and is, like, she's so good in it. And I think like it, it, the movie just resonates with nostalgia. And like, you're talking about like the noises, you know, like the, like the, the, even like the kind of like the, the, ba- the like soundtrack I, in the background. Yeah, I can't is, not love like the stings of the music to the point where like, it just feels like they're using the exact same pieces. Like, yeah, I love even like the, the weird, like just the little tingling mm-hmm. piano. That's like in the, uh, just the starting of a few scenes. Like, yeah. I, I can't not be transported back. Right. To and same with kid, like so. the way the, you know, the, the Ecto one sounds and the proton oh, pack God. noises. It just like it, they, that's the stuff that they did so well in this is like, and I think like it's sprinkled out enough and done so well in the movie that you can kind of forgive some of the plot hole stuff. Like I, mm-hmm. I agree with you and I didn't even think about it that much during the movie, but the, the way that they portrayed Egon is, I, reprehensible is the wrong word but like it is sort of like why was he such a dickhead like why did they have to it's because just, like, like frustrating it doesn't it, feel like that character would have been like 
goodbye everyone and i'm not <laughs> going to describe what's happening it, and it's like you know at the end of the movie like they even put the words for harold on the screen and it's just like we well, portrayed his character to be like quite the quite the dickhead so, so like, let's that i mean that's what we've been dancing around but what did you guys think of harold ramus in this film uh, I it's like that, a, I, I think you can feel one way about like how it's shown, but I think it's just like a larger conversation about like how this is used in movies moving forward because it's happened a couple times already. And I think especially in this instance where the actor is has been passed for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, OK, it, it is an interesting conversation. I just watched a really weird video about Keanu Reeves finding out that and maybe you'll see why it's connected but it's weird. Okay, so uh, Keanu Reeves is um, Johnny Silverhands in um, Cyberpunk. In Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk. And so he just finds out that the most requested mod was to have sex with his character, Johnny Silverhands, which you can't actually do in the game. And he gets extremely excited about the prospect of this (laughs) and going into the whole idea of virtual sex with a celebrity. And uh, he's like doing an interview circuit with Carrie Ann Moss, mm-hmm. who is. I saw some of these. Like, I saw one about an NFT. I recently. saw the NFT one laugh. too. That was really funny. <laughs> oh, I didn't. I didn't see that one. Oh, but... Max, the laugh he makes when he someone who's like describing NFTs to him, and he's like, "Yeah, and you know, like they are like one of a kind. Like you can't, you know, recreate them." And he's like, "But you can like save them and like you know do whatever you want with them." And he goes, "He he he!" And he kind of like. <laughs> He gets so tickled. He does like a prospector laugh. It's so funny. <laughs> Weird. But it, so so the reason I brought this one up was because like so immediately he's like, that is so cool that that this could be done. And then Carrie Ann Moss is like, I like this frightens me basically like I don't want this to happen. He's basically signing off on it saying like <laughs> it got taken down because um, the company didn't you know, didn't have permission basically from Keanu, which they get in this interview. So who knows what's going to happen with the mod. <laughs> but, um, but Carrie Ann Moss is quickly saying like, like never do this to me essentially. And so the two sides of that coin, right. I feel like are similar to the discussion about Harold Ramis being portrayed in this movie. Yeah, You could think that like during your lifetime, think that this would be the coolest thing for you, right? Like even after I'm gone, I get to be in these movies that I really enjoy being in and like carrying on and continuing that. Mm-hmm. Or you could say, how dare you put me in there and like put words, not put words into my mouth. Cause apparently, you know, nothing, but portray me in this way, in a way that I have no control over. I have no say in. So I think it's an interesting uh, conversation. I don't know the guy. So I don't know what he would think of this. I feel like there are enough people who kind of knew him that i'm hoping that it was um done in a way that that he would have appreciated right although it was a bunch of people that knew him but also got in a big argument with him it sounded like they they kind of broke up the band right after two that there was like a lot of uh tension there so like are they the best people to make the calls are they the only people to make the calls maybe harold ramus's uh family is kind of in here saying yes you can use it i don't know like if 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 Harold Ramis before he passed away was like, hey, if the technology like cause I don't even know if this would have even been like a consideration, but he's like, hey, I would love to have been in a third Ghostbusters, and if it ever happens and you can somehow put me in there, great. But it's like, is, where do, is that him knowing that he's gonna die? He's like, if I'm the first to go, yeah, yeah. Then... <laughs> but it's like, where does that end? Like, like Carrie Fisher in Star Wars, it's like 
she hadn't passed away before she had filmed stuff for the movie. And like, you can assume strongly that like she wanted to be in this film and she couldn't she be for all of it. She would have so finished if she could. could. Have, yeah. I mean, I think at but this like, point, Disney's probably writing it into their contracts. Maybe. Yeah, maybe so. And then I think in perpetuity, it's one of those things where it's like Carrie Fisher had a certain, you know, very public kind of like good sense of humor about her role and all these things. So you can assume a lot and you'll never know exactly their feelings, but like you could say like, Oh, okay. So are we okay with like Leia showing up henceforth in anything if they want, if they want to use her image, is that okay? And it just feels like a thing worth famous where it's like, maybe he would have liked how they showed him in Ghostbusters. Maybe they wouldn't have maybe like, would he have liked to have been a live person in the movie and not also a ghost? Like, would he have liked to have been had speaking, yeah. you know, speaking low, you know, lines, Will he be in other Ghostbusters stuff? I mean, probably not. Probably not. Who knows? So it's just a it's just a weird thing with technology, just because you can do it. Should you do it? Yeah. Did it did it affect me emotionally? Yeah, kinda. It was because I thought like from like the visual standpoint, it was like pretty impressive. Like mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this is crazy. It's like looking at what Egon would look like right now, as far as I can tell. Like it's crazy, but I yeah, I guess it does sort of largely outside of the film freaked me out a little bit of like what does this mean for like the future of actors and how they're portrayed even after they're or even in, even while they're alive like it seems like we could get to a stage where the, it looks good enough that like you could put someone in a movie that didn't get you know didn't have the time to get signed on maybe they were in the previous film and couldn't didn't have time they're like oh we have enough footage we can actually make a facsimile now so mm-hmm. don't worry about it yeah it's just it's, interesting stuff on the flip side like they uh like it's a character, right? Like nobody, everybody knows for the most part who's watching this, that Harold Ramis did not do this performance, yeah. right? That this is the character Egon here and not Harold Ramis. That sure. In the same way, like Red Skull got replaced and we're still seeing Red Skull. We're still hearing the voice of- Yeah, uh, I suppose that's true too. The or like, person. I mean, most like people Tarkin, didn't people didn't know. Been, yeah. Some people didn't like know or make the connection that like that actor had passed away. So like- and some of them were fooled because it looked, you know, decent enough. So I think it's just one of those things too, where like some people just aren't aware of like the behind the scenes of a movie as much. And they're like, Oh, I remember him from new hope. Okay. He's in this too. And then I've watched uh, reactions of people who are, they're like, Oh yeah, that guy. And then like, they find out after the movie, like, Oh wow. I didn't know that he had passed on and that wasn't actually him. So. And it's interesting because they did it two ways, right? Like they all in a different movie, I forget which one they had him. Uh, they had a different actor play him with kind of some prosthetic- the very end of, uh revenge of the sith i think he's yeah an, an actor going like it's like yeah yeah so it, yeah I, I guess because because it's the character rather than the actor that you, you you're right some people don't know so it is kind of weird and they mm-hmm. might attribute it to you but like it's a, it's an interesting topic i think they did it in a fairly loving way from what I got from it, even if, even though he was portrayed as an asshole, he was also portrayed as a hero. I also try to be redemptive in it, in it too. So, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, and it's, it's not going to snap back on Harold Ramis, right? Like it's just an interesting thing for the character. It's cool to see him again. Uh, I, I liked it. I think it, I think it worked out. I think I'm I'm glad they didn't try to do the voice. I don't think the technology's there yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think mouths I, are always so hard on this kind of thing, so that was probably a smart choice. I think they they did a good job like they they got a good model of him and then they also were able to make it a ghost so it like kind of, you know, has a little bit of If it's off it's like around. Exactly. Yeah. It's just like, "Oh yeah, he's a ghost." They did some like 
age transition. He so, should have looked like know, the Scalari brothers. Exactly he made like a big crazy fucking like puppet thing. <laughs> oh my god, it's Egon Spangler. Because <laughs> as we have established, humans become weird freaks when they die. That's I think. right. Uh, yeah. Only on the electric that, chair, though. Yeah, only electric or that one guy who's just like a runner in the second movie. Oh he's yeah, running around Central Park or whatever, and. I don't know what he did. He basically looks the same. He thinks he's alive. He's taking his pulse while he's running. <laughs> Who knows? What a hell. What a hell to be that person. Um, <laughs> Drew, what did you think? Because you were kind of quiet on What did you think about the whole Spangler ending? You know, I I guess, like, I, seeing him did have the, like, desired effect where I was, like, happy to see him and, like, you know, the, the effects were good. I was thinking the entire time, though, like, would it... Like, would it have affected me just the same if they had never shown him? Like, if it was just kind of, like, implied that there's, like, a ghostly thing helping, you know, kind of grace yeah, with Yeah, because the... I, liked, I liked all of, like, his presence around the movie before right. that. I thought it was fun. And I don't think that there's anybody watching the movie who was like, who, oh, I wonder who the ghost is that's helping her. Like, I think most everybody knew it was Egon. So I think, like, if they had maybe even, like, had sort of, like, instead of, like, the the visage of, of Harold Ramis, if it was just, like maybe just like a blue aura around her kind of helping. And then like, even at the end of the movie, when Carrie Coon is like, you know, thank you dad. Or, you know, like whatever, like it, it, if it was just like, she's just talking to nobody. I don't know that the scene's that much worse. So I, you know, it, it was weird to have him be a for like a force ghost basically. And then as the movie ends, he fades into, into the sky and all that. But I guess like, as a, you know, I was talking, as we were talking about with Saved by the Bell earlier, um, Dustin Diamond had died between seasons one and two, and there was like a big kerfluffle between all the actors and Dustin Diamond in that show. And so they opened this season with them having like a, a funeral of sorts, but they don't like have like a weird digital Dustin Diamond. But. Digital Dustin Diamond. The three, the, the real 3D. Um, but like they, they had like a send off for him, even though they hadn't really gotten along personally outside of the show in, you know, 20 years. And it kind of felt like that's what this was more than anything was just like the, the actors and the, then, uh, Jason Reitman sort of like having a, this is our send off for Harold Ramis sort of thing. But so I don't know. I, I think I'm kind of mixed on it. In general. It's hard. I don't, I don't think you need to feel like one way or the other because I think I think it's like this might be a good example of it and maybe this is like one of the best possible ways it could have been executed and I just think that like now I think of like anyone more less scrupulous and like what this would mean for like like a big actor that is revered and people are like make sure it's a very loving you know rendition like what if they just want to put any old person into any old role or playing any other character yeah or even more because like like you said Maxis is like Egon that we're talking about what if they want to represent someone as themselves in like a you know a you know a like not a mockumentary but like you know what I mean like have someone like if they made a movie about the making of Ghostbusters and they wanted to have like a digital Harold Ramis because they couldn't have instead of like hiring an actor or something like that's that's the kind of stuff where I'm like oh there's this extra element of like that's weird too because now you're now you're being the person or putting that person into the movie too it's it's interesting stuff uh um before we move on uh what did you guys think of uh bill murray and ernie hudson and dan Aykroyd's performances in this uh, 
they seemed a little bill murray seemed really checked out <laughs> yeah and he always kind of does on on there's a you know he's done movies later in his career where he seems more key you know locked in but um i don't know they all just seemed kind of like they were it, it was the spengler story it felt like they were there because everyone expected them to show up and stuff plus like I think people would have been more upset if only the kids were the Ghostbusters by the end and they didn't have like the actual Ghostbusters in any capacity. So that was probably strategic on their part of being like, don't worry, the actual Ghostbusters are here. Yeah. But um, interesting that Eon made uh, like a gunner seat in the Ecto-1. Uh-huh. Maybe, maybe after he was like solo. Also, like how did they get all the, how did they get all the gear? Because they said that like he cleaned them out. And like took all the shit and left, like ruined their business. So where did they? Get, how did they show up with right. suits and stuff? And their suits and like there is there just happens to be four suits in the basement of Egon's secret cave, his man cave. Yeah, the kids get all like the kids and people get those, and then like the other Ghostbusters like have backups right. or whatever. Well, they know how um, to make them. <laughs> also, like it, this is one Ray's that... making those things in a bookstore. <laughs> I mean, he had 20, 30 years to do it. He could have just, you know, yeah, like right at the end of it made, he, made the way he was like, telling oh, McKenna Grace, just, he made it sound like he like fucked us. Like uh, we couldn't have a business because we didn't have the tech anymore. Like we were just screwed. So maybe it, maybe he did take time to, to make new stuff or something. Yeah. Like if he was one of the ones who helped develop it in the first place, he he, pro- he should have been able to, right? Like it's, they didn't have money when they first started either. I guess, but it also like, great. I think, I think Egon's the one who like develops all the tech. Like I think Ray like helps with the trap system and stuff, but it seems like, I don't know. And He, and he just helps with the would, trap music. Yes. Oh boy. <laughs> it would, but it would also mean that like, he was like, oh fuck our business is out of business or, uh, you know, all our tech got stolen. Um, I'll make, I, I wish movies. that that was a line in the movie. Ah, oh, fuck my business is out, of, out business. of business. Um, Oh, I better make some more of these in case, uh, Egon was right. And even though I didn't believe him, was it also you know, weird that, uh, that, uh, Ray still lives in New York and he's like, you know, when he's talking to McKenna Grace and he's like, Oh, the old firehouse, they, you know, kicked us out of there. We couldn't afford the mortgage. It's a Starbucks. Turned into now. A Starbucks. And then yeah. at the end of the movie, spoiler for the, you know, f- uh, for the end credit scene, Ernie Hudson just walks into an empty firehouse. So like, and he's owned it the entire time. It's, it's revealed that he's like a money investor. Well, they didn't pan over, but it is just, they've just kept it like, like the Ghostbusters place. So if you, there was a counter with a Starbucks right there. Ah, Okay. The facade on the outside is a, is a Starbucks. Yeah. A ghost with a Starbucks cup. Like from the (laughs) Yeah. Also, if you guys haven't been into a Starbucks recently, they do look like that. Most of them. Dusty old firehouses. Yeah, cobwebs and and uh, they're like, hey, your coffee's ready. You have to go down the pole to grab it. Uh, so what okay. did you? Yeah, what did you guys think of the two post-credit scenes? Um, one with Dana Barrett and Peter, kind of she's doing the psychic thing with him. Yeah, I liked Shim her, her screwing with him, especially since like that was his like creepy pickup for the woman in the first movie. Right. Um. Uh. Yeah. I mean, it's also like, it's also sort of evoking like, well this is all going to get kickstarted again. Like we're back in business. And I was like, how, like what, what, if anything, it seems like these kids, I don't know. It just seems like they tied up the, this was the dangling thread that had kept Egon away from everyone. And now it's all wrapped up in a bow. So it felt like, Oh, we have to do a credit sequence just to make sure there's a possibility of doing another afterlife two or whatever. I I don't know. It was weird. The, the one with Ernie Hudson. So it's revealed that he's an investor. He's kept all these properties afloat. He's kept Ray's business afloat, you know, without probably Ray knowing, but then like 
the very end is the you know the the alarm on the containment unit starts to go off or like a warning sign so like not that i would a, a sequel would be unwelcome because i did i did enjoy the movie but what's the sequel like do the kids then come up from oklahoma to new york or like you know, like, I, I, do they just go back to the original Ghostbusters? I really hope it's not Yeah, the not kids bad. live on their own in the Ghostbusters firehouse, and they show up and they're like, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> None of them sound like that. Somehow younger? Suddenly, yeah, they're like five years old. That's what I want. I want a prequel, Ghostbusters Babies. There we we go. don't know when this movie's going to be made either. It could be 30 years later, and it's the, the two of them, Finn Wolfhard and McKenna Grace, as parents to like kids that's that, true that's no, no, no. true they're, they're grandparents now and they haven't told their they don't haven't seen their grandkids they don't know why they it, ran away to oklahoma and no one knows why that was there was and there, no no one believes that oklahoma exists anymore except <laughs> paul rudd who's a huge fan it of was oklahoma. blown up in a ghost yeah. explosion um that that was weird how inconsistent it was who remembered that like huge events happened in New York and who was didn't podcast learn that. about it like in that moment too it seems like he would he would know he? yeah like of all the stuff he would have known yeah it was also so I another thing that I noticed and haven't really looked into is <clears throat> when she's like reading off all the years on the thing there is a year after 2021 and I, yes, I thought I it was like that I thought it was like 21 something but maybe it's gonna be like 2024. And that's when the next movie comes out or something. It, it, I said it's a trailer drops, you know, July <laughs> it's a 1st, trailer 2024. <laughs> wow, they're you, really getting ahead of this. Do you um, guys, have you noticed that trailers now have like little clips in front of them showing what's going to happen in the yes, trailer? Yes, I have. have been doing that for years and I fucking hate it. I was hoping over <laughs> the, the pandemic that, that would change. I hate so like the stupid. dun, 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 dun. You're now watching the trailer for this. And it's like, man, I would just love a trailer to start on... I, I, I've clicked it. I know what I'm seeing unless I'm in the theater. And that's an even better reason not to do the pre-roll. Cause then I'm like, yeah. it comes up. I'm like, what's this? There's a person on the roof. Someone's rappelling down. Oh, is this a new mission impossible? Whoa. And if you, you lose all that, you know, yeah. mystique, if you, if you front load it and go, here's the Im mission impossible. It, it almost just, feels I like, because it. it like, usually I see those as like the commercials on like a YouTube video. And mm -hmm. it almost feels like they're created so that you have like a five second buffer to like hit the skip video button, but it's, it defeats the purpose of not seeing the trailer. If they just show like a super cut of all the cool things from the trailer for five seconds. I hate it. Yeah. It's, it it's something it's, I wish, cause it, it's not super new, but I wish it had, it would die off already. I really dislike that trend. It's almost as bad as that. Like next episode. Uh, like w it, when you get to the end of an episode in a series and they're like, next time on this show, this is what you're going to see. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Grilling I'm in the house. Like, I'm going to watch that I'm one. I'm trying really? to think what show it was that did a really good job of like just showing completely like you, it did almost nothing to do with like the plot. I'm trying to remember what, what oh, show one, that was doing that recently. One thing that I saw on, uh, oh yeah, there, there was one show I think that, that would, would make it up. Right. It would say next time on, and it would be like, uh, complete bullshit mm -hmm. of like something that oh maybe never happened but then i like the show giri haji uh did a cool recap like i, I like recaps they're fine yeah you, like haven't watched in a while but it yeah, did a cool since, version like, cherry of pick it. like scenes of like hey remember this scene like this yeah. is important for this episode because this character's back or whatever I yeah coming up on sucks but like the 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 recaps are are good but this one was even better because it like it did it in kind of like not proverbs but it would like have a uh, uh, 
kind of like hand-drawn style to it and like show just like a cut of the scene and like just explain like a kid showed up and was feeling this way or whatever rather than just like doing those clips of whatever they would they would narrate it and talk about it anyways this has been a huge tangent i'm sorry (laughs) that's okay that's okay um they did that they do that on uh cowboy bebop have you ever seen those it'll be like the characters talking over like the preview for the next episode and they'll be like on the next episode like you're gonna learn a little about more about me Faye, and they'd be like Faye, what are you doing and they'd be like i'm talking about the next episode like it's really it seems like they had fun with it and yeah they're showing weird like scenes out of context but I kind of like that they got them in the booth to do something like funny like that. Yeah, so yeah. I kind of like that one. Um, yeah, if you're if you're gonna do it, be vague and be funny. Yeah. No, I say do it like Dragon Ball and say literally what's gonna happen. Yeah. In the next <laughs> Name episode. the episode Goku's alive when you're wondering if Goku died. Yeah. Um, Goku's alive. Everything's fine. So yeah, uh, just to quickly get back to Ghostbusters to wrap up, would you? I mean, it, it feels like inevitable that there will be a sequel. Would you? Are you interested in a sequel to this? you you've already touched on that i i just don't know what that looks like um this this feels like a pretty competent follow-up to the first movie in general and the the second movie a bit as well and it just kind of feels like they closed the loop a bit and i just don't know what the story they need to tell is unless it's like yeah like a new generation of ghostbusters and they kind of start to forge their own story but so much of this not necessarily in a bad way relies on callbacks. I just don't, don't know what that looks like. So I'm, I'm encouraged because this wasn't like a complete disaster or anything, but I, I just wonder like the popularity of it versus like what they need to have something in their pocket. And this felt like such a personal movie and and like a love letter Ramus and all this stuff that I just, I don't know what it looks like without all of that. Yeah. Max, what about you? I would only watch it if, Melissa McCarthy and three SNL cast members were in it, <laughs> but not Kate McKinnon, Kristen Wiig, and Leslie Jones. Like three new ones. Pete Davidson. It could be, it could be them too. Pete. Oh yeah. If Pete Davidson was in it, you got me in yeah. the seats. Come on, let's do this. Let's if get Chris, this going. If Hemsworth, Hemsworth's character comes back, yeah. then I'm on yeah. board. Yeah. Why don't they do a sequel to that one? Thirty years later, what are these? What are those guys up to? Chris Hemsworth still looks the same, though. <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah. Be. I think How about you, Andrew? What do, what do you think about a sequel? I, I yeah, I kind of said my piece earlier, but I, I, I would, I guess I just want to know what's the story they're going to tell. Because you're right, it does feel like they close the loop here. It feels like a nice contained story, like you know the tease at the end of the the containment unit going into going into, you know whatever. Like, I, I don't know. It just it feels like it would be ham-fisted for them to be like well we'll bring up the kids to new york from oklahoma and you know like i i just don't now that you mentioned it even the containment unit is kind of like so egon didn't like make sure this was empty or like yeah he cleared he cleared them out out. he cleared them out but left that to be unguarded for 30 or 40 years and just wait for some some you know peck's peck's uh grandson to come in and also (laughs) demand it be opened up it just feels weird because it's like it also undercuts like Oh, threat eliminated. Like the, he, he was so crazy. He ran away from his coworkers and his family to protect everyone, but he forgot New York. It's like, <laughs> okay, I guess that we're not safe. And now he's gone. Like he, right. You shouldn't have disappeared, my dude. Yeah. Well, anyways, that'll do it for Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <Bye-bye. laughs>